Welcome to Prism Bible, where we learn the Bible so we can live the story. God has a part for each of us to play, and to understand our purpose, we need to grasp the big, beautiful story that's unfolding in history. Join us today as we see the end of the story, where Jesus reigns as King in Jerusalem, and the Tree of Life is back in the new Garden City. You're listening to Prism Bible. As we look back on history and compare what happened to Bible prophecies about what would happen, it's very easy to see how many prophecies ultimately found fulfillment in what came to pass. For example, we see the prophetic promise of Abraham's seed blessing all the nations of the world, and we find that Jesus fulfilled that promise through His crucifixion, resurrection, and gift of the Holy Spirit. It's through Jesus, the seed of Abraham, that all the nations of the world are blessed. However, as we take as yet unfulfilled Bible prophecy and look into the future, it's much more difficult to understand exactly how things will fit together into what we might call future history. In fact, there are many who spend significant portions of their lives studying the many biblical texts that give us a view into this future. A view that at best still remains slightly hazy with regard to timing and order of events. That said, there are many things that we can know through biblical prophecy. And in step 10, last things, we're going to do our best to present the most accurate view of what the Bible has to say about what's to come. So let's finish the story. John, the disciple of Jesus, has been banished to the island of Patmos. And it's here on the island, just off the coast of modern Turkey, that he receives perhaps the most detailed account of what's to come that the Bible offers. As he's invited to see what will take place, the first thing he sees is the time of tribulation that will come upon the world sometime in the future. During this seven-year time period, we see intense suffering and affliction for the people of the earth. We see war, inflation, famine, disease, destruction of land and sea, among many other afflictions. This seven-year period will be the most intense period of suffering that the world has ever seen. And it's a seven-year period that we've heard about before. Because this seven years is the same final seven years that Daniel learned about in that prophecy of 77s. There had been a break in the timeline since the entrance of Jesus, but this seven-year period marks the final years of that significant prophecy. Now this time of trouble ends with the return of Jesus, the Messiah, to earth, who's installed as king in the city of Jerusalem to rule for a thousand years. The king finally establishes the kingdom so long expected through the ages. It's during this time period that his kingdom is enriched and expands in power as we see all the nations of the world seek the favor of the King Jesus, ruling on David's throne in Jerusalem in the land of Canaan. Here we see the fullness of the Abrahamic and Davidic covenants as all the promises come to fruition. Remember, the Abrahamic covenant involved three basic components, land, seed, and blessing. The land of Canaan, seed in abundance, and blessing to the world through a particular seed of Abraham. Well, as we look at each of these components, we see how they're fulfilled in the Messiah, Jesus. First, we see that in this thousand-year time period of the Messianic kingdom, that Israel, the people, 
will finally completely inherit the land of Canaan. This fulfills the land promise of the Abrahamic covenant. Second, we know that the seed of Abraham became a nation of many people, and that those with faith in Jesus are counted as the faithful seed of Abraham, as they demonstrate the same faith of their forefather. Remember we talked about Abraham's faith that resulted in God's righteousness in step two, fathers. All these seed of Abraham, by flesh and by faith, fulfill the second part of the Abrahamic covenant, seed in abundance. Finally, blessing. We know that one of Abraham's seed, Jesus the Messiah, accomplishes the third part of the covenant at his first coming, the blessing to the nations. In being a substitute for sinners on the cross, he made his righteousness available to all people from all nations who put their faith in him. The Abrahamic covenant is completely fulfilled in Jesus and in his Messianic kingdom. But what about the Davidic covenant that we learned about in step four, kingdom? The summary promises of that covenant were a throne, a dynasty, and an everlasting kingdom. Jesus fulfills all three of these components with his thousand-year reign over Israel. He is the offspring from David's dynasty who achieves dominion over the kingdom of Israel, ruling from David's throne forever. So in Jesus, we see that not only are the major covenant promises to Abraham fulfilled, but also those promises to David so impactful to the Bible story. But there is one more major promise to be fulfilled in Jesus. That's the promise from the very beginning. The promise that the seed of Eve would crush the head of the serpent, signaling the serpent Satan's ultimate defeat. So let's get back to the narrative to see how this is ultimately fulfilled. At the end of this glorious thousand-year reign of Jesus over Israel and the world, rebellion is stirred up again on the earth. Satan deceives people from among the nations and prepares a final battle against the kingdom of Jesus. But the battle certainly doesn't go as planned for this adversary of Jesus. We read this in Revelation chapter 20. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. They came up across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the encampment of the saints, the beloved city Jerusalem. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed them. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire, where he will be tormented day and night forever and ever. After these thousand years that prove the worthiness and goodness of Jesus' reign and rule, the final phase is the ultimate defeat of Satan, where he is bound to torment forever and ever. Satan, the great deceiver of mankind from the beginning in the garden, is finally subject to the eternal justice of God. Satan is defeated. He is crushed and made powerless forever, never again able to deceive mankind as he's thrown into the lake of fire. It's after this thousand-year kingdom and temporary rebellion that we see one of the many judgments that will happen in these last time periods of Earth. These judgments all involve the dividing of humanity into two categories. The division is between those who have faith in Jesus and those who don't. Those who by faith placed their sin on Jesus and received his perfect righteousness, and those who died in their own sin, not accepting the solution provided by Jesus. And the final destination of these two categories couldn't be more different. For those who are not believers in Jesus, the Bible says that they will be thrown into the lake of fire, 
the same place where Satan was thrown, a place of forever torment and anguish. For those who are believers, well, let's continue in the narrative. After final judgment, God creates a new heaven and a new earth, and he lives with believers on the new earth. John describes it like this as he's given a view into this amazing future. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. People with faith in Jesus are reunited with their God, no longer subject to the pains, sorrows, and difficulties of life. But that's not all, because as we come to the end of the Bible story, we see an echo of the very beginning. In the midst of this renewed, recreated heaven and earth, we see something familiar from the very first pages of the Bible. We see a garden, a garden city in fact, with a familiar tree in it. John says this, Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of Jesus down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. The tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden in the very beginning is now free to be eaten from in the new Garden City. The people saved by God now live eternally with God as He rules and provides. Believers live onward to enjoy the new eternal earth with God among them. And from here, you'd think that the last words of the Bible might be a cathartic end of a good story, and they all lived happily ever after. But that's not how the Bible ends. Instead, it ends with an invitation. And the invitation is essentially this. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires take the water of life freely. This invitation is to a gift. The gift that Jesus gives to believers is a free gift offered to anyone thirsty enough to desire it and receive it. An eternal, abundant, righteous life has been offered to you by Jesus and accomplished by Him. The question is, have you placed your faith in Jesus? Have you received the living water? Don't forget to download the Prism Bible app, our mobile app to help you learn the Bible. In addition to this podcast content, we have Bible readings, summaries, and quiz questions on the app to help you get the most out of every lesson. Prism Bible is a project of the Bible Literacy Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to helping you learn the Bible.